as people are signing in and taking their seats, let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, source of all wisdom and understanding, be present with those who take counsel here at St. Anne's in Amsterdam for the renewal and mission of your church. Teach us in all things to seek first your honor and glory. Guide us to perceive what is right and grant us both the courage to pursue it and the grace to accomplish it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. This meeting is now in order and the following appointments will be made by unanimous consent. We appoint Kathy Hazard as secretary for the annual meeting without objection. Hearing none, congratulations, Kathy. Without objection, we will adopt the agenda that's before you as the agenda for our meeting this morning. And hearing no objections, the agenda is adopted. Without objection, I appoint Kitty Newell as clerk of the vestry. Hearing none, she wins. Without objection, I appoint James Bryant to serve as treasurer and Tim Munn as assistant treasurer. Hearing none, congratulations. Although James should have a penalty because he's on the beach in Columbia. It is now time for the elections. You have before you on the front page of your packet, which you all found, I know, the ballot for our annual election. We are electing one warden and two vestry members. I have nominated and the vestry has unanimously seconded Don Tetro to serve as warden and Peter DeMassey and Christine Munn to serve as members of the vestry. At this time, you can tear that page off and circle the people accordingly. And when you are done, if you would fold that one time and raise your hand, one of the deacons will collect this from you and they will tally up the votes and report back to me. I could try to make it into an airplane and see if I could reach her, but I've never been good at that. Thank you. Thank you. We will continue on with the agenda as the votes are tallied. As you're arriving, please sign in on the, uh, the lectern right there. And if you would like to vote before Deacon Mary Carroll tallies the votes, if you would do that as soon as possible and raise your hand and she will collect those.
Moving on to agenda item number seven, review of last year's minutes. Without objection, we will adopt those minutes unless someone has a correction that they remember from last year. Hearing none, the minutes stand adopted. Thank you, Kathy. Without objection, we will authorize the vestry to elect three delegates to diocesan convention and three alternates. And I will give you the explanation. The uh, delegates to convention can either be elected now or you can pass a resolution to let the vestry do it later. Uh, since I've been here, we've been doing the, the latter as we are now because if we elect them now, inevitably what happens come time to convention, those people can't go and you can't make a substitution later on. But the vestry can make an election up until the, the deadline. So hearing no objections, that will be the procedure. And essentially, as we get closer to convention, there will be an announcement in the bulletin to see if people are interested in serving at convention. And if so, we'll get you in touch with the vestry and make that election at that point. At this point, we are planning an in-person convention in June at Silver Bay on Lake George. Uh, which is a new location for convention. So if you're thinking you want to go check out the new digs in Lake George, you can get your name into the vestry now. Uh, but of all the times, especially during the transition, we are in no way going to be electing a bishop in June. Uh, but in this time of transition, of all the times, it may be beneficial for the, the parish to have representation. And at the last two or three conventions, we've had no delegates willing to serve. Uh, however, given the things in flux, I think it would be to the parish's best interest uh, to have somebody. And I don't know if the election for the delegates in June will be the delegates to serve at the election for the next bishop, whenever that is, if it's before the next convention. So it, it may be even more vitally important. So if you'd start to think about that, and if you'd like to know any information about convention, uh, you can ask me or either one of the deacons would be happy uh, to talk to you about it as well. All right, moving on to number nine. Look at us go. There are a few things that uh, I want to bring to your attention. As we all know, this past year, was another one of uncertainty as we dealt with COVID, we dealt with the transition in the diocese, there were a lot of moving parts. Uh, and it is of no surprise to you, I'm sure, that that hit all of our parishes, St. Anne's as well. And we saw the departure of some people from the parish because of uh, diocesan decision and church-wide battles. We have had people who have moved away. We've had people who have died. We have had people who have not been back yet post-COVID. And all of that has impacted uh, our life together. It was really a year where, once again, we couldn't really plan for much. Everything was kind of a take it month by month. And we had to react to what was happening. In that year, however, I do want to encourage uh, all the people of the parish, 
for your faithfulness in participating in worship in person or online, in your continued generosity, which allowed us to maintain a pretty financially stable year. We did receive in 2021 a second round of Paycheck Protection Program money from the government, which um, really helped stabilize the finances where that money would have been taken out of our investments otherwise, and we didn't have to do that. And so we're thankful uh, that that program existed. We received two rounds of Paycheck Protection money. And both of those Paycheck Protection loans were forgiven. So they are essentially grants to the parish that we as taxpayers have given ourselves. So uh, thank you for being a taxpayer and thank you for um, your faithful support. And on a personal level, I want to thank you for your support and flexibility in the midst of all of the unknowns. Uh, you, know, you really did roll with whatever we had to do uh, without uh, too much flack coming my way for what we had to endure. We were really bound by what the government said we had to do. As you know, sitting there wearing your masks now, we've just got to roll with what comes our way. And I wasn't really shocked by that. I mean, now, uh, I've been here 10 years now, if you can believe that. And from the beginning, you have always been flexible and supportive, and we just roll with what comes. And, and I was glad to see that in the midst of the pandemic stress, that remained the same. Everybody just went with it, we adapted, uh, and, and I really thank you for that cooperation. And I can tell you that's not the case everywhere. There were some parishes really struggling uh, with some internal conflicts based on should we do this, should we not do this, why do we have to have this rule and not that rule, uh, and, and we didn't endure that. Uh, so I, I think you should be commended for that and you should be uh, proud and encouraged of the way that you've all stepped up to continue in your journey of faith and support of the parish in the midst of this challenging time. Uh, and, and I would think the more challenging the times are, the more we need each other. The more we need our community of faith to come together. Um, and so I, I'm glad we made, made use of our time with one another and we pray that the next year uh, we will see some return to normalcy. Even in the midst of this pandemic this past year, if you include um, the, Sunday, the people who watched virtually, we had a Sunday attendance, average Sunday of attendance of about 48, which is down from the 60 or so we were at before COVID, and nobody knows how close to pre-COVID numbers we will return. If you take out the online streaming, we were at a Sunday attendance of 46, and if you remember, we, about half the year we didn't have streaming because we had stopped at one point when all the equipment hated me and it wouldn't work uh, one week to the next. Uh, now it seems to be moderately behaving. And so we've continued that streaming, which as you can see, has on average, uh, just in the half a year we've been doing it, allowed two more people on average to participate. Uh, but some Sundays those numbers are significantly higher. We saw that when we had the ice storm there were about three times as many people 
online as we normally have. So being able to have that option is important. This is a new reality that the church is going to have to get used to, what that means, where people are members of a congregation participating in different levels, some in person, some a combination of in-person and virtual, and some completely virtual who may never walk through the door, but somehow our challenge now is to figure out how we keep everyone connected no matter which way they are participating in, in the congregation. And we have used that virtual option with Bible study as well and will continue to do so. That's also allowed us to connect with people who are not regularly here on Sunday and may go to another church on Sunday but come to Bible study. The live stream has allowed us to connect with people from other states uh, who worship uh, with us on Sunday mornings via live stream. And I thank you for your cooperation when the technology doesn't work. We've looked at the options of trying to fix some of those solutions. Just dealing with the sound system alone could range from fifteen dollars to $45,000, and it doesn't even include the cameras. And so there's, before we would undertake anything like that, there's a lot of unknowns in this fiscal year that the vestry is considering, and then we'll see where we have to go. Right now, the things that we have work, and they work adequately. They could work better, and so these are the kind of things that we're, we're wrestling with. Um, th that's part of having a facility is we have to wrestle with these challenges. Uh, one of those challenges that uh, was repaired last year is we received two new boilers which have, have helped with the temperature. Certainly when it's negative out, it's still hard to heat this giant place. But we're still about five or six degrees warmer in here than we were with the old boiler. Uh, and I think there's some adjustments that we can make in the settings of the boilers that we're still tweaking that might keep it even warmer. So that was a, a $56,000 project that was funded by the parish taking a loan from the Diocesan Development Fund, which allows us to borrow money for capital projects. And the vestry and I made that decision because the interest rate on the loan is 5.5% and our investments usually return 8% or higher. So it made more sense to keep our money invested, be 3% ahead of the game, and pay a loan over 10 years. Uh, so that's, that's why that decision was reached, and we will fund that, as I said, for 10 years, and then that will be paid off. But that, that's a great option that's available to us from the diocese. If we have a large capital project that has to be completed, we don't have to come up with those resources all at once. We can apply for another loan, service that loan, and then um, still be ahead of the game with the way that our investments have performed. This past year, uh, we had one marriage, which was the first wedding we've had here in the previous five years. There were seven burials and three baptisms. There were 22 private Eucharists, uh, and, and that's home Eucharist. And if, if you've tracked that number in the past, you know that used to be in the hundreds. And that was when we were able to go to the nursing homes, where we went to two or three nursing homes, the county jail services were included in there, and COVID has shut all of those down. We're uh, prayerfully optimistic that when this pandemic is over, 
that we will be able to resume those ministries and then those private Eucharists would go up. Um, if there is anybody who would like to visit someone who is perhaps shut in, and again, COVID kind of shut that down with people going to people's houses. Uh, we do train people to go individually. If somebody can't be here on Sunday, the church can go to them, and we're always looking for ministers to serve in that capacity. So as we look to the future, I find it increasingly hard to plan in the midst of the pandemic world because we just don't know what's going to happen. I, I think all we can continue to do as a parish is to keep doing the things that we have been doing and that we welcome people when they first walk through the door and help to make them part of the family. We provide the services that we have for worship and we hope that as COVID winds down that we continue to do all of the outreach programs that we have with the meal and the prayer table and the jail and the nursing home, all the ways that the church reaches out, those are the things that we have to do. Uh, and I've told the vestry before, I can't think of any new thing that we're supposed to be doing that we're not already doing that fosters the mission of the church. Now certainly there may be some new way of doing something or something we need to do more or less and the vestry and I would welcome your ideas if you've come up with them um, but I, I, I've really felt that we're doing the things that a church should be doing and then all we can do is pray that God sends the people to connect with or that God opens the opportunities in our lives day by day to connect with people who we encounter on a daily basis and share the good news of the gospel with them. That's all we can do. We can't control whether they'll come here. We can't control whether they come one Sunday or ten in a row. All of this is out of our hands. As much as I'd like to have full control over it, ten years has really taught me that I don't. We can plan and we should. We can pray and discern, and we should. We can do what we think is best, and we should. And then a lot of this journey, we have to trust God's vision and plan that is always beyond what we can fully see. And does it always make sense? No. There's a lot of times I scratch my head and I say, I don't get it. It seems like we're doing everything that we should do. Why are 500 people not here every Sunday? I can't figure it out. Um, and I've yet to get an answer, so if you have an answer, um, let me know. But I think we should be encouraged to keep doing the work of ministry. And we should not make... I know there's a lot of numbers thrown around, and the parochial report asks us for a lot of numbers, and we track a lot of statistics, and statistics are helpful, but they're also not the final word. That the church is about a community of believers who love and support one another, who love the Lord, who come together for worship. And the church is not less the church because the community is 48 versus 500. It is not quantity that makes the church. And so we need to be careful that uh, numbers are not the central focus. Statistics should be a part of our analysis of how do we think we're doing reaching people but there can be a community of 48 people who love Jesus with all their heart, who love one another, 
who support one another, who share the gospel whenever they can and invite others into that loving relationship. And you might some, invite somebody into a loving relationship with Jesus who then chooses to go to another church. Well, great. Because the goal is their relationship with Jesus. Not all about um, filling the place here. So we need to balance that discernment and not easily get discouraged by numbers alone. If we weren't doing anything that we're supposed to in accordance with what Jesus has called the church to do and then there were numbers issued, then we would say, well, we're kind of deficient in what God has called us to do. If we're doing everything that we feel called to do, that we can identify, then at some point we have to trust that the people who are supposed to be here are here. And for whatever reason we don't understand, sometimes that number is 80, and sometimes we're in a season where that number is 48. But what's key is Jesus is at the center. We love the Lord with our whole heart and mind and soul, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. That is the focus of what we're about. And as long as we keep doing that, at some point we can rightly say the rest of what that looks like is up to God. We're not responsible for every single outcome uh, of the whole world. That's just not how, it, not how it works. But we are responsible to do our part in that. And so I would ask that each of us, throughout this next year especially, really take to heart in prayer what is it that God is calling us to do? How can we more deeply love Him with our whole being individually? How do we more deeply love one another? And how can we better share the good news of the gospel with the community around us? And maybe the Lord will show us something we haven't even dreamed of thinking about, uh, at which point we, we could pursue, pursue that as well. As we know, this next year will be a time of continued transition in the diocese, which affects every parish in, in the Episcopal Diocese of Albany, as well as we move towards the election of the next bishop, which uh, probably won't happen until the early part of 2023. Where we are in the process is the profile of the diocese will be finished by the Profile and Search Committee over the summer in August, and then they will receive the first slate of names, then there's a petition process, uh, and then eventually there gets to be an election. But we're looking at probably uh, the first quarter of 2023, I would say, before that happens. The parishes and the people of the diocese should be receiving a survey uh, in the next several weeks to try to help in that process. The parish leadership conference is supposed to uh, start a listening process by which the diocese tries to figure out who we are and what it looks like then uh, for our next bishop, who we might be calling. And so there's a lot of moving parts. And all of these could potentially affect people's connection to the parish locally, to the rest of the diocese, and it's just going to be a little bumpy road until we get through this transition. So please do continue to pray for the Standing Committee, who is the authority in the diocese in the interim. Pray for the Profile and Search Committee as they go about their work. And pray that we can focus uh, ourselves on Christ and not get overly caught up in the bumpiness of the things that could potentially divide us. 
So I would commend that to you in prayer. In your oh, series talking to me, sorry. Um, in your packet, you have all of the reports for the year. If you want to hear how certain ministries have gone, you can take a look through that. You will find the ministry coordinators for the upcoming year, as well as how the budget ended for the year and the budget that's been passed by the vestry for this year. If you have questions about anything, you're welcome to see anyone on the vestry or see me. We'll be happy to talk to you about it. None of the, none of the things are secrets. In the packet, you also have three pages from the Episcopal Church statistical page, which looks at membership, Sunday attendance, and financial giving, just so you can see uh, the trend over the last 10 years. And again, if you have questions, concerns, or comments, see me or someone from the vestry. And now we will have the election results. If you can believe it, Don Tatro has been elected as warden, and Peter DeMassey and Christine Munn as members of the vestry. So congratulations to the three of you. And thank you for your willingness to serve. Uh, I want to thank Kitty, whose term on the vestry had expired, and then who quickly volunteered to be the clerk of the vestry. Uh, so she'll still be present uh, at our meeting. So thank you, Kitty. With that, we will pray, and that will conclude our meeting for the year. Almighty and ever-living God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, hear our prayers for this parish family. Strengthen the faithful, arouse the careless, and restore the penitent. Grant us all things necessary for our common life, and bring us all to be of one heart and mind within your holy church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. This concludes our meeting for the year. Thank you, everyone.